Hey guys, this is such an important series. I'm getting ready to launch a series. It's going to be a three story series, but over more than three episodes. And it's on visibility. And I am interviewing couples who have the same sex assigned at birth. Okay, so genders might be different, but both same sex assigned at birth and their fertility journey and then like the laws and the complications and all of the things. I learned so much from interviewing Katie and Jess, Emily and Amy and Amy and Steph. So I've got three different couples here to share their stories of fertility, of being a same-sex couple, same-sex assigned at birth couple, and what that is like with laws and society and fertility and all of the things. So we're going to get into the fertility journeys, which is really good for anyone who is facing a fertility journey or interested in IUI and IVF and transvaginal insemination. So over the next couple of weeks, you're going to learn a ton. And we're kicking it all off with Katie and Jess, part one. What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does the day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi. My best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story, an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them and you deserves a microphone and a stage. So here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions. Birth Story, where we talk about pregnancy, labor, deliveries, where we tell our stories and share our feelings. And of course, chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood. And because I'm passionate about birth outcomes, you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. Before we get started, I would love to have you guys in Birth Story Academy. It is premier childbirth education for your hospital birth, no matter what the birth looks like that you're planning. So medicated, unmedicated, a wait and see attitude, a belly birth, an induction, there is a module for all of it. And I have a blank name tag at your seat waiting to put your name on it. And the best part about Birth Story Academy is that I get to be your virtual doula. You go into my private Facebook group where I interact with you every single week and cheer you on as you plan and prepare for the birth that you want, no matter what that looks like. So I hope you will go to birthstory.com and enroll in Birth Story Academy today. Katie and Jess, welcome to the Birth Story Podcast. How are you guys? Good. Thanks for having us. We're so excited to be here. I'm so excited too. So everybody, I'm just going to be fully transparent in this visibility series. Katie and I know each other. (laughs) So Katie um, reached out. She was a fan and follower of the Birth Story podcast and then reached out when I put a post out for interns, for doula interns. And so Katie and I got to spend a lot of time together doing an internship for her doula business. And then... I got to meet her wife, Jess, and Jess has a really kick-ass podcast. I'm going to let her tell you about that, and I got to be a guest on her podcast, so welcome. Thank you. Thanks Thank so much. You. All yeah, right. you got to be a guest on my podcast. That was fun. Yeah. Well, let's start there, Jess. Tell sure. us. Tell me. Sure. Tell everybody. Who are you? Tell us. Talk about this amazing podcast that you've got. Sure thing. Well, I'm Jess Ader Ferretti. Um, I run a web series and podcast and Instagram platform called Shit Moms Won't Say. Um, I started in my backyard a little bit over a year ago, and it's just sort of taken off. And there's, you know, influencer moms and celebrity moms and cool doula moms from North Carolina and, you know, all kinds of great stuff. And the, the goal is really just to highlight cool people, you know, who I who go by the, the name mom doing cool shit. That's really what it's all about. And it's been amazing. 
I love it. I, I mean, you guys, everyone who's listening to this podcast is a parent or soon to be parent. And I mean, I just really love your handle too, because it's at shit moms won't say you can't miss it. And your Instagram's really funny. So I probably <laughs> laugh on the daily about like the hysterical parenting stuff. That's just so real, you know? Well, you stole what I wanted my handle to be, which was thanks. It's the trauma. Um, But that's okay. I did. I did. I I think most of the listeners know at this point, I do have my like passion podcast. Thanks. It's the trauma where I talk about what it was like to be married to a man, have two kids, and then my husband transitioned to be my wife slash partner um, as a transgender woman. And so... If you didn't know that and you're just tuning in, there's another episode back back in the um, vault about it. But there is the podcast thinks it's the trauma. If we give it up, I will give you the handle. So thank you. I yes. just want it for like personal reasons. <laughs> I don't want to do anything with it. I just want people to understand why I'm funny. <laughs> yes. I mean, humor is such a coping mechanism, right? (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get into like all of those things. Um, So Katie, tell us a little bit of, I mean, I already kind of disclosed that you're a doula, um, but there's so much more to you. So just share a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So um, I am a doula. I'm a certified birth and postpartum doula and lactation counselor and childbirth educator. Um, I kind of did those last two just to be a better doula. I don't like just do lactation or just do childbirth education. It's all like tied into my services. Um, I'm only working as a birth doula right now. Our schedule, we're realizing um, it's easier for somebody to just step into my life and play my role for 24 hours than it is for us to find like a schedule like, oh, three times a week, I'm going to be with you for three hours a day, you know, whatever the case might be. So um, really loving it and was so thankful to learn so much from you during the internship. Um, So if you are a doula and you're listening to this, if you ever see Heidi put up some that she's looking for more interns, you should absolutely take advantage of it. It's such a good learning experience. Um, I also have um, a master's in psychology and applied behavior analysis. My pre-mom, pre-doula life, I was a behavior behavior analyst and um, worked with people with disabilities. So that was, I think, learning how to communicate with all different types of people, like, helps me in my doula role a lot. So having your master's degree would help tremendously for any birth worker. I mean, just having that like listening skill and then also like this ability to just be a true empath, you know? So I I mean, I've never seen you in action, but through the internship, like I know you're a great doula. So that brings us to where the fuck are y'all so people can find you. Yeah. So um, we're we're in New York. I am a doula. My handle on Instagram is hands and hearts full doula. Um, you can just type that in and it will come up. Okay. <laughs> All right. The right one. All right. And, and I'm going to link to it in the show notes. So hands okay. and hearts full doula. And then for Jess at shit moms won't say. Awesome. And it doesn't really matter where I am also in New York, but it it does not matter. You can. <laughs> You can engage with me whether you're here or not. I, I won't help you have a child. Um, because you guys are married and you do live in the same place. And you we do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we are married. We live in the same house. Because I'm married and we live in different houses on the same property. So well, you have a you whole know. other thing going on. You know, that's different. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm really excited because really I hope that you guys will go and follow both Jess and Katie because you can get like the whole doula thing. You're here for birthy stuff. And Katie does really cool birthy informative Instagram posts. And then Jess, I mean, you're here for a lot of things, Jess, but like the parenting hilarity is amazing. So we're going to get into your birth story with your daughter, Lily. And Lily is almost two. Yeah, she'll be two next. uh, She'll be two on on Monday in less than a week. week. Yes. And I half, but it's a lie. Don't age them up though, ever. Like just, she's one. I keep telling people I have a one and a half year old, but like, she's not. (laughs) Well, you still have another week. Yeah, you do. You have another week. Okay. And am I sensing and seeing a bump over there? 
<laughs> yes, we are having our second baby in March. So looking forward to uh, to that experience and to watch Lily become a big sister and all of, you know, going from one kid to two, which is a, a nerve wracking thought, but exciting. Yes. Well, I have a lot of questions. Thank you for being my very first interview for two moms that are same gender identifying, but also same sex assigned at birth. And to be able to like open up this conversation of what that fertility journey looks like to become parents through carrying, right? When there isn't, you know, sperm involved, right? Mm-hmm. So now on this podcast, so many listeners have heard these long fertility journeys with cis hetero couples. Mm-hmm. And I hit my hundredth episode and was like, how is this possible? Like I'm married to a transgender woman. And the way I've operated this podcast is that I'm just like, oh, someone writes in and says, I want to be on your show. And I'm like, sure. And then that's the next episode. But after I was like enrolling in this podcasting conference and really getting intentional about where I want this podcast to go and the messages, I wanted to make sure that I did a visibility series and that I was really intentional and talking about fertility in a different way, right? Because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, fertility is fertility, but there's a lot of ins and outs and nuances that go along with being two women identifying as women that are married and are same sex assigned at birth also. And so I really want to dig into that with you guys. Yeah. So thanks for being here. Let's start at the very beginning. How'd you meet? Oh, we met doing, we both perform as a hobby and um, we met doing a show called Breaking Up is Hard to Do. (laughs) It was a a Neil Sedaka musical. And um, yeah, we, that was uh, over 10 years ago. Yeah. We'll be 11 years in March. Yeah. And we're married almost seven years uh, in November. Okay. So was this like love at first sight? Like... Uh, for me, it was, I had the biggest <laughs> crush on her, but she was with, she was with somebody else at the time. And I would like purposely, like she would invite me to parties at her house. I would like purposely not go because I didn't want to get my heart broken. <laughs> so, oh, Jess, how are you feeling that whole time? I, I was just being friendly. Um, no, I thought, <laughs> I, I thought she was great. I didn't really know her. And then I liked to, you know, we de- developed a friendship and I developed a little crush on her and I was dating someone at the time and I would never, uh, emotionally or physically cheat on another human being. So I just made this decision of like, we're going to be done and, you know, let's see where this goes. And, um, we were together pretty much immediately after that, you know, and we've been together ever since. Okay. So how did the proposal go? That's all you. <laughs> uh, I proposed to Jess. Um, we knew we were going to get married. We were dating three months and we knew we were going to be married to each other. But um, I think we were together about a year and a half. And we always would joke around like, will you marry me? I'm like, of course, that kind of stuff. And um, right before I proposed her, you know, I bought her ring and everything. And I was like, just let me just like ask her more frequently just to make sure she like really isn't going to say no I do it for real you know so um, like a test push in the doula world right right? (laughs) so um I got us bagels from our favorite bagel store and we used to write we still do write notes to each other like just like leave them on things um and I put a note on her bagel we went hiking and we had this nice view like over the water and like she was reading the note on the bagel and I got the ring like ready and she starts eating. I was hungry. <laughs> there's, there's a picture of her with the ring on, like with the bagel in her mouth. Yeah. It, in my defense, thank you. Um, it is our favorite bagel store. They're very good bagels and I don't eat bagels super often. So I was like, it was a whole wheat everything bagel with all cream cheese and I feel like that should be known we were we were 10 years younger we were eating bagels a little bit more frequently (laughs) I suppose I was I just wanted the bagel but it was a very nice day so Jess did you did you like know this was coming like were you like okay okay so you were totally surprised yeah I'm like a Neanderthal like I don't 
I don't think about stuff like that. Like I didn't grow up being like, I'm going to get married. I'm going to have kids. Like that was never in my view of like life. And when I met Katie, I knew this was a person I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. I just didn't really know how to articulate like what that looked like, whether it was marriage or if we were like, you know, shacked up lesbians in a condo somewhere. Like I didn't really know what that <laughs> meant. Um, so when she proposed, I had, I mean, I had no idea it was coming at all. None. So instant. Yes. After you instant, took a bite yeah, of your yeah. bagel. <laughs> yeah. I was, you know, after I was full, I said, yes. Um, no, I said yes. Right. Away. I mean, of course it was like the yeah. easiest answer I've ever given. Oh, I love it. Now, if I'm doing my math correctly, 11, seven year and a half. So you were engaged for two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Before yeah. You got married? Time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A little bit over two years we were engaged. And that was like pretty intentional also. Like we, we were oh, yeah. young, you know, I'm, I'm one of my four years older than you. Mm-hmm. So you're 30, what? I'm 32. Two, and I'll be 36. So like, we were just, even at like different points in our lives and careers and things. And we were just really intentional about like taking our time. And, um, we didn't want the wedding to be stressful. You know, we wanted to make sure it was very us and we like thought through everything and we weren't like rushing to hire a photographer or any, you know, nonsense like that. And so we can enjoy it. Um, which I still still think we probably would never do that again. Uh, but it was a beautiful (laughs) day, but yeah, about two and a half years. Okay. So then about, if I'm doing my math right, probably about, I don't know, a couple of years after that, did you just have a conversation about getting pregnant and having children? Like, take me on that journey of pivoting from like, okay, I'm on a, I'm on the top of a mountain and we're hiking and I'm (laughs) proposing to you. And then we're a couple of years later, we're intentionally taking our time and getting married. And then now you're pregnant with your second child and you've been together for 11 years. So when did those conversations kind of start really coming to the forefront about parenting? Before we got engaged, I knew I've always wanted to be a mom. So for me, that was a non-negotiable. So going in, even as young as we were going into a committed relationship and, you know, staring at marriage, like that wouldn't have worked if it was somebody who didn't want children for me. Um, So we had those conversations prior. We knew what our goals were. We knew we wanted to, you know, have a home. We knew we wanted, I wanted to finish grad school. So we were almost five, I guess, yeah, yeah, five five years. years. We had started trying. I mean, I think our five-year anniversary was the year Lily was born. Uh, Yeah. 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 Well, and it's interesting because everybody always says like, there's no like right time to have a baby. And like, that's sort of simply not true in like the lesbian identifying world. Like we were able to say like, now is is the the right time for us to have a baby Yeah. Um, our, you know, our fertility journey, I'm sure we'll get into it, but like we were ready to do it when it happened. Okay. So I love that you were just like about the start trying because that looks different for everyone. So when you are in a queer relationship and you know in advance there's going to be a fertility journey, and I don't know if that's a gift or not, then, you know, say me trying to have sex with my husband every month for 10 months and not getting pregnant over and over and over again, not knowing we were going to have a fertility journey, which we did have. So mm. I was hoping that you could just tell me like, what is that like? <clears throat> to, like that knowingness that you're going to have a fertility journey. And then I'm assuming you guys have to choose, right? Like who's going to carry <laughs> And yeah, that was always, that, that, was, that was always me. Okay. It was um, always you. And that was like dating conversation too. Like I want to be a mom and I want to carry. Sort of. I knew I wanted yeah. to carry just kind of was on the fence and just kind of, I think maybe just in your mind, like, right. Like that's what you do when you get married yeah. with children. Like we're both going to carry cause there's two of us. So like we may as well. She didn't really want to. And then I don't know, you can well, talk I, about your I own. remember I was like really upset about it. I got like really upset about yeah. it. And I couldn't remember because Katie had said to me, like, can I carry first? And it like totally threw me for a loop because I'm I'm older. So like again, like the norm would be like I would carry first. And I remember getting like really upset about it and trying to figure out why am I so upset about it. Um and it was like it was relief upset. I like felt upset that I just totally didn't want to carry a baby. Um, so I guess I just sort of like mourned the loss of that, like normal thought that I had. Um, and then just passed it over to Katie because I 
wanted nothing to do with it. So that sounds hard, but then yet easy, right? Mm -hmm. That there was like, it it wasn't like relationship ending, you know, like who was going to carry. So then how, what, like, like how, where do you even start? Like, so the starting point for us was needing sperm. (laughs) So we kind of talked about the known donor thing, ended up deciding that wasn't right for us. We really didn't want to have like, you know, like an uncle dad situation, you know? Yeah. Um, so we went on California cryo. Um, they're extremely pricey, but their customer service is impeccable. Yeah. They're so knowledgeable because you're calling, you have no idea what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. I don't know when I need this, but I, I don't know what to do with storage. I don't know anything. And they walk you through every step. So if you are a couple who's looking to use donor sperm. I a hundred percent recommend California cryo. They're amazing. You get free storage for a year. You get, you can look at the, these, in, I mean, millions of profiles of donors. Um, well, and I've heard like, I, I don't know if this is true or not. We've been really researched too many other places. We felt very comfortable there, but I know with like California cryo, you get so much more information um, I think than some others, like we were able to see baby pictures, current, you know, adult pictures, like a total essay on who these people are. Like we knew everything about them, probably minus their uh, name. Yeah. I yeah. feel like this is like dating on Hinge. It's yes, totally. totally. Okay. <laughs> totally yeah. like, I was like, where you're like swiping pictures and reading like the chosen information about this person. Okay. So going into this process of like sperm selection did you guys have like some criteria that you like were filtering by and if so what was that um we weren't really filtering we had initially said maybe we should get somebody who looks like jess so that the baby would look like both of us um we got somebody who looked like neither of us and the baby came out looking like jess's identical twin so who knows knows? (laughs) yeah well and the person we did find somebody who could have been like my twin brother and i remember we like read his essay and we're like this guy's such an asshole like we hated him (laughs) we hated everything about him and then we found our donor now and we were like this is somebody who would be friends with Okay. Um, really liked him. He's, you know, a theater guy. And, you know, we've obviously done some more research and know exactly who he is now. Um, I was going to say, it's got to be pretty easy in today's, like... One Google uh, image search, we know everything about him. We would never contact. It's not something we'd want to do, but, we, yeah. you know, we were able to find out even more about him on our own. Okay. Um, but yeah, it doesn't look like either of us. Yeah, it doesn't not look like close. either of us. Um, and that's the donor. We use the same donor for this baby yeah. too. So okay. baby number two and Lily will be like full biological siblings. Not that that was like as important to us as just knowing like I could carry a healthy baby with this person's sperm. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of why we made the decision to stick with the same donor. Okay. So let's let's simmer for a minute in this like sperm bank area because this is where I have a lot of questions. How much did it cost to purchase a vial of sperm? One vial is nearly $1,000. Okay, now how many vials of sperm does one need to attempt to get pregnant twice? The first time we bought four. We bought four the first time. Okay. The second time, so Lily took four tries. We'll get into our fertility journey um, a little bit more. But we had four vials. We were on the last vial. This was the last before IVF vial that we are going to get to use. Okay. Um, and thank, you know, thankfully we got pregnant that fourth time. Um, so this time I was like, I had in my habit to be the same. We better plan for four and plus because I'm older and who knows and what if it takes longer, let's get six. So okay. we bought six vials, okay. but now the, the cost of the vials is not the only cost that you're paying because you're paying for the, the storage you're paying for the shipping every time you call and say, you know, I'm ovulating. I need the sperm to come to the office. That's its own fee. Plus, you know, the HCG shot is a fee and it's just, it was, it's a lot of money to have mentioned like the treatment itself. And I mean, I know like we, we were sort of chatting before about like, what are some things that are, um, based by queer couples specifically to women identifying it's, you know, the actual IUI itself 
is not covered by insurance. So this is an interesting, this is an interesting place to pause just like as a queer visibility series um, with lesbian couples in New York, even in New York where we have as many rights as we're gonna have right <laughs> now, um, fertility treatments are not covered unless you have a diagnosis of infertility. So you have to try 12 times before insurance will cover it. And so that's a like, federal that's law? A I'm sorry? Is that you a federal law? I don't, don't know. I don't know. It, it might be like a private insurance law, but like okay. that's $12,000 just in sperm right. before insurance will even think about covering it. And that's like the procedure and everything. And like, the scans and everything, you know, before. Oh, hold on. I'm just getting angry really quick right here because (laughs) one could argue that the lack of presence of penetrative male sex is in fact infertility. Well, our doctor agrees with that. And she did label us infertile because I am azospermatic. Right. what she labeled us. She went, she really did go on a limb for us. Um, And they still denied it? No, no, she, I mean, I'm not going to drop her name because she did, she fudged our insurance a little bit. She said, you know, this is an infertile couple. They're, they're an azospermatic couple. Yes. They did Okay. go into why and how, but that was, that was what she did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm also like an insurance twister here. Okay. Cause now my mind is turning. So now I'm like, okay, a year before you want to have a baby, I'm like, go to your OBGYN and midwife and tell them you've been trying for six months. You know, they don't need to know anything right. more about you, about who you're trying with and then get counseling on that. And then go back once a month and tell them still not pregnant, still not pregnant. And then there's your diagnosis. Now Mm -hmm. disclose. But I mean, I think that that would be a really interesting turn if you just documented, you Mm -hmm. know, for a period of time, like proactively. Maybe you do this when you're 24 years old, you know, and just proactively document. I mean, we had been having unprotected sex for five years and we never got pregnant. Yeah, we kept trying. I don't know. Documented. I mean, I think this is crazy. So does the insurance form, do you know, like, do they ask like for the sex assigned at birth of your partner? Fuck yeah. Okay. So So there's... They don't. You they saw? Don't. I don't remember seeing it. Yeah. Okay. That's how she'd be able to get away with okay. it. Okay. I love, I love it. Hey, Jess, can you please get a shirt that says azospermatic? I mean. Yeah, that's very funny. I mean, <laughs> I'm ready for ever, this. I'm actually a little pissed off that I didn't think of that myself. I mean, I'm dying. Yeah. I can't wait to see your next like meme on, you know, your IG shit moms will say for this term. <laughs> I need an azospermatic shirt. I that mean, is, this is important. amazing. Okay. So, but that's really, this is for people that are listening to this series because they want information, right? Mm -hmm. This is really important. Like, let's think about the ways in which we need to manipulate insurance to work for us rather than work against us, okay? Um, But essentially, though, this was like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. Okay. And well, California Cryo is amazing also because, and we haven't done this yet where, you know, we want to, always play very safe, but you are able to return unused sperm. Oh, okay. So it's, it's reduced, you know, you don't get like your full money back, but you are able to return um, after you get pregnant. So okay. we're waiting until the baby is born. But <laughs> so they need a healthy baby in my arms and before, before I, can, sperm, before but, I okay. um, You know, they do recognize that there is a huge cost associated with, with their service. Okay. We'll dig into that in just a minute, but the overriding is that Lily took all four vials and then do you have, do we have a nickname for current baby? We have a full name for mm-hmm. current baby. Oh, is yeah. it, is it like free to just talk about or secret? Yeah, I'm cool. We're not, it. we're yeah. not weird about it. Um, we're naming, <laughs> we're naming her Amelia Grace. Amelia Grace. Oh my God. It's like so Southern, you guys, for two New Yorkers. <laughs> we're, you know, we're Southern. <laughs> Edward, so. so Amelia Grace was conceived with the first. Okay, so yeah. so now we have five extra vials. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, maybe how many kids do you want to have? Done. Okay, two this is it. Okay, two are done. Okay, so so hopefully we can return. We can get five thousand dollars back. Yeah, our, we'll probably get about thirty five hundred dollars back. But that's I'll take it. Take that's it. Fine. That'll pay for your doula. 
Exactly. Right? (laughs) I'm like, that'll pay for your doula and some postpartum care and placenta encapsulation and all (laughs) all these things, these birthy things I like to talk about. We're doing all of it. Birth doula, postpartum doula, encapsulation. We're doing it all. All of it. it Paid for with sperm. Yes. There's another t-shirt. Give this to your doula. Paid for sperm. with sperm. My sperm refund. <laughs> um, okay, so you're at this sperm bank and you've now selected this donor, which now we know who this person is. But is do they offer like open um what's what would it I'm not like adoption is not the right word. What is it called? Purchasing adoption? What are you doing with the sperm? When you, are you buying it? There's a word for it, right? For an open for it, oh, I don't know. It's it basically I forget the term, but it's like yes, like they'd be willing to have like a, a child when they're older contact be like, hey, I think you, uh, you know, yeah, don't. Okay, did you check uh, that box or no? No, no. Okay, I yeah. I know there are some people who there's there are literally groups on Facebook that like California cryo number like blah 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 blah, and like you can find your children's. They call them diblings, like yeah. they're the dad siblings or donor siblings. Oh, um, okay. So that's just not something that's on our radar. If ever either of our daughters wanted to have a little more information, we have access to it and we could certainly like facilitate that, but it's not, it wasn't like important to us. I mean, it just, I, I get it from like a health perspective. Like right. if you wanted, like if either of them wanted to know more about like their health or Which, their lineage. But like, don't you already have that information? We do. We have yeah. all of that. But if there was like a curiosity and they were old enough and I think, you know, like mature enough to handle that, I think we we would both be old enough and mature enough to handle it too. Yeah. And I also think with things like 23 and me, I mean, like soon we're going to figure out that we're all related, you know, right. and who, <laughs> who everybody is type of thing. Um, So does the donor have the opportunity to put, no, I don't want to ever be contacted? Okay. Yeah. So was that important to you when selecting a donor, what their choice was for that? No. no. I don't even, I mean, I couldn't even tell you whether if he did or he didn't. Okay. So yeah. was we it got, we have like, there's like, they call it like a keepsake yeah. from the donor. It's just a something he wrote. Okay. So you guys said you went on like this feeling of like you would be friend you could be friends with this dude, right? Yeah, he was he's he was well, he is an actor and smart and just seemed kind. Like he was like uh, his answers to things felt like things that we would say too. Okay, like yeah. was he you know good looking? He's, yeah, he's, he's, he's very cute. We were, <laughs> it was more of like you know we we have such a tight knit group of friends and we have such like strong, wonderful, kind. Um, straight male friends that we sort of said to ourselves, like, would this guy be friends with our friends? Okay. And uh, we felt like the answer was yes. And because we didn't want to do something that was so close to home with any of our friends, um, you know, we kind of knew what that could look like as an adult. So we sought that out in a donor. I feel like that's really mature of you guys, because I'm sitting here going like (laughs) blue eyes, um, tan, like olive skin, you know, maybe like blue eyes, but mixed race. And then like a master's degree at Harvard. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. Is there anything on there about like intelligence, you yes, know, a lot, things a like lot. That? Okay. And that, that was actually, I would probably, I mean, that I, was kind I, of, yeah, like, was a big, that was a big, big part for us. Okay. So I was like, I know I feel like I sound superficial, but I'm trying to think like if I'm on like that. There were some people that we were like, that nose won't work on a girl or like, you know, like that guy's a moron. Next, next. Okay. Do these donors, do you think they get paid more? Like if they're chosen more, like does the price of their sperm go up? Like they're really sought after sperm? No. No, it's the same, same, but I'm like, I don't know what the what they get for the donation itself, but it's definitely not as much as we pay for it. I don't yeah. think there's like a royalty on it either. Right. Like, I think that they, it's like, a one and done. Yeah. Okay. One time they get a fee and that's it. Okay. Is there a threshold from California cryo for how much sperm is allowed to be exchanged from one yes. donor to multiple? Okay. Do you know what that mm-hmm. number is? Like so, how many yes, siblings? 25. Dibblings. Sorry. See my words. I'm learning it. How many dibblings? Dibblings. Yes. Dibblings. Um, yeah, they do 25 as their max. Um, once the donor is down to 10, 
vials, they will only allow repeat parents to purchase those remaining vials. So like we knew he was low uh, when we purchased for Amelia, but we had access to it because we had a successful pregnancy pregnancy with him the first time. Okay. Gosh, I feel like that would be devastating if you had a successful pregnancy like with Lily and then you went back and there were no vials of sperm left. You are notified. Yeah. When it gets low. So yeah. we got, I got an email right before Lily was born that like he was low on vials. So of course we're panicking. We're like, we don't even have one baby yet. Like, are we thinking about the next baby, whatever. Um, but periodically, you know, before we were ready to start trying again, we would call in, you know, how many vials are we looking at? You were really on top of that. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I knew if the number was dropping at all that we would, we would have just made the purchase and pay for the storage for the extra, you know, year and a half or whatever. Um, but we were lucky and it was 10 every time we called. So nobody had purchased. And, and then you took six. We took six. So sorry. Sorry. (laughs) We are about to get um, five back. There you go. Now. Okay. So now to the average person listening to this birth story podcast, they're like, are, if you're like me, you're like, is this in your freezer? But like, I'm assuming it's at a professional facility somewhere. So yeah. is it stored in California? So we're lucky. They have storage banks um, in different places in the U.S. And I don't want to like, I know there's one in California and I know there's one in New York. Okay. Uh, so ours are stored in New York City and we're, we live on Long Island. So they were okay. able with confidence to, um, as long as we were calling between Monday and Thursday to get it to us in 24 hours. Um, we had to have our procedure on a weekend course. Um, again, our OB is wonderful. She literally met me in a parking lot to give me my shot. And then the next day, like came into the office. I was at a birth. She was at a birth. We both like <laughs> left and like <laughs> she did my procedure. We both went back and like <laughs> had, our, yes. had our babies with different people. Um, Oh, yeah. So we knew it was on a weekend and um, it lasts in your just in the nitrogen tank that gets delivered to you. That's like it's massive. It's it's comical because the thing that comes out is so tiny, but you get the whole nitrogen tank and it's safe in the nitrogen tank for six days. Okay. So if you called on Thursday, you know, they could get it to you for a weekend procedure. So you got to ovulate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Can we get into that? Cause yeah, like it's, it's, you said shot and I'm like, what kind of shot? Like, what are you, yeah. what are they putting in you? So they are looking, they, you get with the procedure that we did, which is IUI intrauterine insemination. Um, they will check to make sure uh, I was given Clomid from the first five days of my cycle okay. to start making more eggs. Um, so there's a slightly higher chance of multiples with that, which we were fine with. Okay. Um, and then around day 11, 12, depending on how long your cycle is, they'll, they'll tell you, but around day 11, 12, they do, um, a scan, you know, an internal sonogram looking for eggs that are viable. So, um, actually with both pregnancies, I had one egg both times that was like good. So it was like, okay, one, or like, that's the one, you know, you are, um, then the, Next day, they give you an HCG shot to like force ovulation. So right around when you would be ovulating anyway, around that 14, 15 day on your cycle. Okay. Um, as long as you have a viable egg, they'll give you that shot just to kind of make the egg pop out. Okay. Um, then the next day you'll go between 24 and 36 hours later, you'll go and have the insemination done, which is basically like when you think about like, oh, like the turkey baster method, like it is that, but it's more clinical because it's done with like a catheter and it goes all the way into your uterus, not just into your cervix. Okay. Um, they'll put everything through. You lay there for 20 minutes and uh, you hope for the best. Okay. Oh, so now I have like, I'm going to recap and then yeah. I have like a lot of questions. So essentially you, okay. have, you, you are, you are, you are fertile, right? So you are ovulating. You take mm-hmm. Clomed to like help with ovulation. Then yeah, it helps you make more eggs. Okay. So then around day like 14-ish, you go get this sonogram and they make sure that you're about to you have an, you're about to ovulate or have a good egg, a good follicle. Yeah, your your egg needs to be larger than 17 millimeters across. Okay. 
Um, otherwise it's not considered viable. So they won't give you the shot unless you're at um, 17 or higher. You know, that's big. That's a big egg. So so then, you know, there's this egg and and presumably it's going to travel and they give you this HCG shot to stimulate that along. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, right. Am I tracking with you on what you just said? I'm, I'm trying to like just completely understand it. And then... 20 the next day or the day after you go in and can you just describe that insemination process like are you did you ingest like I mean in my mind I think if I would have probably just like made out and like wanted to like I don't know okay that's very medical okay it feels decidedly Unromantic. Okay. So there's nothing okay. less sexual than what what happens. Okay. I disclose that I know certain cervical mucus is better than others. So I did like have some time alone with myself before. Good. I yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's kind of where what I was getting at, but I just yeah. didn't know if it was like self-induced or like if Jess was like, you know. Tweak it just it, it felt so in. clinical. It didn't really feel like mm-hmm. sexy there. Well, and okay. even like the way we went about, you know, Katie was like, I'm going to go upstairs because um, I need to masturbate before this procedure. And I was like, all right, I'm going to watch Top Chef. Like, it's not. Okay. Your mom. Is- <laughs> it wasn't like put Van Morrison on, light a candle, some Lana Del Rey. I don't know. And then like go to town. Maybe me downstairs watching Top Chef by myself, but certainly not upstairs where we were just trying to get through it for you to get to the doctor in time. Yeah. Okay. So very medical. Is there anything that you would recommend that couples do um, like at this insemination procedure to make it feel more comfortable and less invasive? You know, I mean, having with, with Lily, Jess was with me for everything. So just the nerves and the anxiety, and that was nice to have your partner there, just feeling like a soothing presence and somebody you could joke with and like, can you hand me my phone? My legs are up in the air, like, you know, taking funny pictures, things like that, just to like lighten the mood and just keep you from thinking about everything. But I will say with Lily, when we were trying to conceive, that was our world, those four months. And I know people have 10 year, 15 year fertility journeys. And it's, I can't even imagine because when you're in it, it feels eternal. One month of wanting a positive pregnancy test and getting your period feels like an eternity. So it's, I can't imagine these people have these year, you know, years long journeys. But um, when we were trying to conceive, that was everything. You know, what foods am I eating? Am I eating the right seeds at the right times of the month? And enough greens and this and doing the yoga and this. And with Amelia, we didn't have that luxury. I mean, our lives are, you know, toddler moms now. So we're busy all the time and for better or worse, we didn't really have a lot of time to prepare for it. Um, Which is probably why it worked on the first try. Probably. There was was just much less stress and focus around it. Um, That's not to say that she's like sloppy second in any kind of way, but I mean, I couldn't even go to the procedure with Katie because she was in the middle of a birth for, you know, a client. So I was home with Lily anyway. So Katie ran out in the middle of the birth to get the procedure done and went back to me. And I wasn't even with her this time. It was just a totally different situation. Situation. Okay. So were you at the hospital doing the birth as a doula then that your OBGYN worked at? Yes. Oh God, this is so cool. That's a news story y'all. I mean, she was seriously. At a hospital, so she's in two hospitals. So she was in Brooklyn, and I was in Nassau. This is, you know, Long Island Lingo. geography. If yeah. you know that. Yeah. Um, but we met at her regular office, and okay. then both went back to where we were headed. Please tell me your client had an epidural. So <laughs> I will say, my client on the day that I conceived was a magic person. She's just a wonderful her she's she I couldn't have asked for a better person more understanding she was um a lost mom her baby was like a triple rainbow baby I think and when I got back she had gotten an epidural but when I left she hadn't she didn't she had no checks because she didn't want to know she said it would be too upsetting for her if she hadn't made progress I'm like you've made progress but (laughs) like I could just tell by her you know her demeanor um but she had gotten epidural and as soon as I walked in she goes you know, what's really amazing. Like 
this is an IUI baby and like your baby will be an IUI baby and like there'll be a special connection. So like I She's literally amazing. felt like she oh. was just like my conception doula on that day and I had nothing to do with her birth. <laughs> oh, I'm like, this is like touching me at a very deep level. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, amazing. Okay. I did. Yeah. I just think the flexibility of your OB GYN, I mean, too, like, I mean, absolutely unbelievable. I mean, this is just mm-hmm. That that is magical. I think I would love to interview that person on the podcast about their birth story. I think that would be really cool too if they were open to that. Yeah, um, and they're a queer identifying couple too. And okay. she she would be. She was on my show, so she would be. Yeah, she's great. She's amazing. She's super funny, super smart. She's she's awesome. Yeah, she's I've so already cool. cried now about part of her birth story and your conception journey. Um, so one thing I wanted to mention right here is like how you just said, Jess, like you were just busy at home with Lily and things were just different. My work partner, Colin from doula differently and Colin is a queer doula and she specializes in helping queer couples and she was the first fertility doula in Charlotte North Carolina now most cities don't even have a fertility doula so this is someone that you hire and sometimes you pay them and sometimes it's just volunteer because it's what their passion is and what they love and then when and if you become pregnant, then you hire them to be your birth doula. <laughs> they come with you. But Colin actually would be someone that would have gone and attended um, those appointments with Katie if Jess, you oh. weren't available. Um, and also someone who would have met with you that morning to nurture you through these different conversations and those four, nurture you through those four months. So if anyone listening doesn't know that, type in fertility doula. That's an actual thing. And I didn't even know 17 year veteran doula. I had no idea that was a thing until I met Colin. And I was like, you got it. Like you have a certification in fertility doula. (laughs) Who knew? I mean, it's really, really amazing. So I wanted to make sure I put that out there. Okay. So four times with Lily. And so Mm -hmm. Does that mean you just wait two weeks and then find out if you have a period? Yep. It's the two week wait, classic two week wait, 14 days. And with the HCG shot that you get to help Mm. the egg come out, um, as soon as that HCG is in your system, you start having positive pregnancy tests because of the H that's, that's what a pregnancy test detects is HCG in your system. So they're giving you, I don't know the amount of milligrams or whatever, but it gives you a positive test right away. So with Lily, I had um, started testing it out around day five. Um, I saw that it was getting more more faint. Around day eight, I think I took another test and it was pretty, it was pretty negative. Like I was like, there's like, I could pretend there was a line, but like, I was like, I think, okay, I think the shot's out of my system. The shot can last in your system for up to 14 days, but everybody's body metabolizes at a different rate. Okay. Um, so a lot of times people, if they wait and they don't test it out, then they test on day 10 and they get a positive. They're like, well, is it the shot? Is it the thing? You know? So with this particular try this fourth time, everything that was, was bad. My eggs were small. My uterine lining was awful. Like barely like enough to for the egg to stick, it needs to stick inside the uterine wall. Um, I don't know. I read that if you drank pomegranate juice, it would help thicken your lining. And I got acupuncture because I heard that could help thicken your lining too. Um, the day before and after my actual insemination. So I do think that was really beneficial for, for conception with Lily. Um, Jess went on a work trip. She knew that I would be either getting a positive pregnancy test or getting my period while she was away. I had decided that if I had a positive, I was going to tell her I got my period because I want to tell her in person and do something special. Um, so <laughs> of course that, you know, the best laid plans. So that day 11, that evening I took a test and it was, it was positive, but it was faint. I was like, it's darker than it was on day eight. So now nah, it has to still be the shot. Cause I was convinced this is not going to work. We're going to have to do IVF this, this, this did not work. I didn't have implantation bleeding. I didn't have anything. 
the next morning I took a test just to get it. I just wanted to see the negative and stop thinking about it. I'm like walking around like Lulu forgot that I took it. It was in my pocket. I'm like, Oh, this is like, this is blatantly positive. This is a two line dark pink. Like this is a positive (laughs) test. Yeah. So now I tell just I've gotten my theory and I'm like, universe, don't listen to that. <laughs> like, I, I am just doing this to do a nice surprise. Um, she was away for a whole week and I think she was coming home on a Friday, Thursday, I had some spotting. So of course, immediately I call her and I'm like, I didn't get my period. I, I had a positive pregnancy test, but now I'm bleeding. So I don't know. <laughs> and she's like in a meeting. She's like, what? I wasn't just in a meeting. I was in like a, like a, a gala and then like with all of these um, tremendously successful Japanese executives who I couldn't turn to to be like, do you mind if I take this call really quick? So I like sort of just like moonwalked out of the room to take the call to like, cause she called me a couple of times. I was like, Oh shit. Like what happened? Um, and she's just hysterical crying. And I was like, all right, I don't know what's happening. Like, because on a sensitivity, you know, spectrum, Katie and I differ. Um, and I was like, what, who hurt your feelings? Like who, who was mean to you via email? Like what happened? Um, and she's hysterical crying. And I was like, you gotta spit it out because I have to get back in there. And she's like, I'm pregnant. And I was like, holy oh my god okay okay and then we're like texting our other friend who just had a baby and I was like is this thing normal um lo and behold I found out you were pregnant in like the least special fun or special (laughs) way um but now we have like the most fun and special little girl so it doesn't really matter that's right Okay, Jess, so you are you know you're gone away you're at this meeting now you you're having a baby okay Having a baby. Yeah. So now I have all of these questions about like paperwork, legality. Like, what does it look like to be a queer couple, married, legally married, with one person carrying? Like, can you kind of walk me through? Like, do, are you automatically the parent, the other parent, Jess? Uh, no. The so okay. le- the legality is not it's not pretty. Um, I've talked a lot about it on my show because I think it's such a, uh, there's such a lack of education around it. So first of all, when your, your wife in this scenario, when my wife became pregnant, um, I sort of became like a second class citizen, um, in every sense of the word, like, and our doctor is wonderful, but you, you do notice how people talk differently to Katie versus how they talk to you. And I, I'd imagine I sort of had more of the, like, quintessential dad experience, um, versus a mom experience, which I, I get as like the non-birthing person. I understand there are certain things that Katie needed that I did not. Um, and I know we're going to, you know, we'll talk about birth a little bit, uh, next time, but if we didn't have a doula, for example, I, I don't think I would have stayed at the birth. (laughs) Like, you know, we really needed this person to navigate on both of our behalves because, the non-birthing parent is treated so differently than the birthing parent. And when it's a queer couple, it's extra. It just, and I I don't have any rhyme or reason to it. I think that people expect the dad to have the dad experience and they sort of don't know what to do with the other mom. From a paperwork perspective, a lot of that comes post-birth. But the main, there's two parts of it. So in the hospital, uh, you know, I am on my daughter's birth certificate. I am her legal parent. And our hospital was very cool. And then I, what, what was the actual verbiage on the paperwork? It wasn't mother and father. I think it was, it was uh, parent and parent, parent and parent. So we really lucked out in that one, but there are many hospitals I know right here in New York that still say mother and father. So that's sort of like the first brush with what do I even put down? I, I didn't have to do that later on though. Um, and this is where like the education piece comes in that we've, you know, we've been interviewed around, like I've spoken about a lot is the second parent adoption. Um, even in New York, we're fine. I am legally Lily's mother, uh, outside of New York, you know, sort of like insert X, whatever state you would assume it might be here, uh, that do not view queer couples as equal. Uh, I would have, or I would have had before we did this, 
no legal rights to my own child, regardless of my status on her birth certificate. So let's say, God forbid, we're driving through whatever state this may be, we get into a car crash, Katie is incapacitated, I would have no decision-making power for my daughter. Let's say even worse, Katie is, God forbid, killed. Uh, my daughter would go to my in-laws, who would then give her right back to me, you know, like jokes on you, jerks, but like <laughs> legally, that's what it would have been. So I had to uh, legally adopt Lily uh, regardless of my name on her birth certificate. So that process for us took over a year, um, tons of paperwork, working with a lawyer who just totally didn't get it, um, all sort of resulting in a five minute court case where we felt, I mean, like insulted, it really. Was insulting. They, you know, they got us on, they swore me in, they asked, you know, what sports is Lily going to play? And I said, if she's not a theater person, like God help her. And I remember Katie <laughs> being like, stop it. Um, and then, you know, are you saving for college? Yeah. Okay. Congratulations. You know what I mean? So we like have that like, these are the things that define yeah. That's a how good you're a parent? parent. That's how you're a parent. So, you know, we had all of this like mental turmoil around it and really made to feel uh, for me anyway, I, you know, Katie, has a different experience in it as the, the birthing parent, but I know she felt has her own feelings around it. Like for me, I was just made to feel very much less than in like the equation of my daughter, you know, and like my heart lives outside of my body and that, you know, heart is sleeping upstairs, taking a nap. So for me to have anybody sort of second guess that from a legal perspective is really messed up. Um, and I've had so many people reach out my way via shit moms won't say to just say like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, so, you I know, didn't sort of, know that know, was a thing, to, you know, they didn't know it was a thing. So I mean, happy to say it on here. Like if there are people that have questions about it, please, please, please reach out to me. Um, you know, we've been through it. We're going to have to do it again with Amelia, which is crazy. You know, you're not like grandfathered in as a parent. Um, so that is again, crazy. But, um, and that's budgeting. Crazy, but too. the, biggest, the yeah. biggest thing with like the biggest piece of it that's most discriminating is that there are many, many, many heterosexual couples who have to use donor sperm. Yeah. There's a male with, you know, poor motility or low sperm count. So they reach, you know, they have to reach out to a, a bank or whatever it is and use donor sperm. And that, you know, male identifying parent is never questioned ever. From the moment of yeah. conception, that's mom and dad. Well, and I know technically. So they don't have to do this second parent adoption? No. Well, I mean, listen, I think legally they could. Um, we were told that by the social worker who had to come to our house to observe me parent to do this. Um, she was oh, amazing. Oh, yes. Jesus. Oh, it was crazy. It was crazy. But that's why, like, I'm always happy to, like, share this info with people. But, you know, Katie very pointedly said to her, like, do straight couples have to do this? She's like, well, you know, technically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, the bottom line is from a legal standpoint, they could do it. Um, they don't have to, because if you are in some, again, whatever state we want to talk about here, if you're in some state where something happens and heterosexual couples are, you know, sort of the be all end all of what marriage should look like, they're never questioning it. Um, you know, even from like a, a step parent perspective, which I have gotten into so many internet altercations around that I've been called a step parent. I wrote an article about second parent adoption a while ago. Um, and I had people come at me being like, well, you're basically a step parent. Uh, no, I, an altercation no. would be the right word for like what I would have gotten into also. Yeah, I think you and I should really start to tag team people because they were, it was not pretty. Just um, always text me. And didn't we tag team somebody? Oh yeah, we, we did. did. Mm -hmm. you, oh, yeah, you and did. Katie did and then I jumped on after <laughs> and shredded because it's just a hobby of ours but yes. um you know I wrote this article and basically what I said was a step parent is wonderful it, it, they're you know beautiful people uh they get on a, a train stop later in the journey you know for me I was at the at the port you know I was like there from the beginning right. um beginning as in this woman on Instagram and all different people like that that's what I wrote about in my article but to the people on Facebook and Instagram who had something else to say. My yeah, to tell them to fuck off because this was, told them. <laughs> uh, this was 11 years ago, your first conversations between Jess and Katie on getting married and having children. Like, mm -hmm. 
I, I, it's like, it's yeah. like sometimes I can't even see the other side, you know, well, it's there like, is no, there is no, the other side. I mean, that's why, you know, there what my brain, no I'm like, there I can't even it. understand where they're coming from. I'm like, well, they're coming from those states where if my wife got killed, my daughter would go to my in-laws. Well, it's that, you know, it's not, well, it's not true. You're right. Yeah, there are here. people yeah. right, um, right here in New York that we know who said, who made the step-parent comparison. But, um, and then the other, the other big takeaway for us was we were entitled, you know, we were fortunate and privileged to have the education around needing second parent adoption. Not every same sex couple knows that. And we were in a place of financial privilege where we could afford our lawyer and we could afford the $300 fee from the social worker that I said to her, Mm -hmm. I, I, when I get mad at somebody, um, I handle it very differently than Jess. What do you so, mean? <laughs> so saying like those things like, oh, do same sex couples have to do it? Like those, it's just like needling a little bit. So <laughs> I said, whereas like, mine is like an angry dragon. Right. It's a little different. So yeah. I just said to her, I was like, what if we couldn't afford? I was like, we can, it's totally fine. But like, what if we couldn't afford $300 fee? Oh, well, like I do some pro bono work. So and I'm like, no, 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 you're understanding. What if you came here, asked us for $300 and we said, we don't have that. Who has, not everybody has $300 to the drop of a hat. Right. You know, we weren't told that beforehand. We no. were told that when she was here. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to jump. We weren't even told about the social workers. I mean, our lawyer was, I mean, she was atrocious, but the social worker called me directly um, and just started having a conversation with me about what to expect when she came to my home to observe specifically me parenting. And I stopped her. I remember I was on a walk, I think by myself. And we I said, together. were we together mm-hmm. on that? Oh, all right. Well, I'm wrong. We were together. And uh, I remember stopping her and saying like, hold on, like, who the fuck are you? Like, what do, what do you mean you're coming to my house? Oh, well, your lawyer should have told you. Well, she obviously didn't. So what do you mean you're coming to my house? And this was mid COVID. Like, I mean, obviously yeah. COVID is still here and exists, yeah. but this was like peak of COVID where Pre-vaccine. we weren't seeing people. We didn't, yeah, we weren't vaccinated yet. We didn't feel comfortable having somebody come into our house. We didn't know, but for me to adopt my own kid, we had to open our doors to some stranger social worker to have a conversation with our then one-year-old who was going to tell you she likes Moana. Uh, we swing, we swing <laughs> outside, which is what she screamed on the, the actual like court date you know, they made, oh, we didn't know she had to be present for it. Like she had to be present during court. She's one. Like it was all of this crazy stuff. And, you know, God bless her because as soon as the camera got on her, my mother-in-law was outside and she's screaming, Nana, outside. And they're like, okay, she can go. She can go. But like none of this stuff was told to us to begin with, which is why, you know, we, you know, we both devote a a good portion of our platform, but I, you know, I've sort of had a, like, my platform's a little different than Katie's and that I don't have a, a doula service, right? It's just different. Um, I've devoted a good portion to helping educate others on it because it's such a kick in the ass every single time, especially if you don't expect it. Yeah. So Katie, I think you and Colin are going to connect here on the fertility doula thing. I think it would be really powerful to add it to your services or maybe for even Jess and Katie. I think it would be great if you guys had some kind of webinar or online course or something that was a mentorship for other queer couples, not just on like how to find California cryo and how to budget and save, but really how to navigate like um, what comes next after the baby is born, you know? And Um, also how how to make your experience as a couple trying to conceive pregnant couple and a birthing couple um that it's equivalent for both of you even though you're experiencing different things physiologically that the day that Lily was born was just as big a deal for Jess as it was for me but to the people of course it was but to the people in that room it was a bigger deal for Katie than it was for me Right. And like how to kind of make those shifts in different things and how you talk to people and who you're help, you know, who you're using to help advocate for you to make the whole experience special for both people. Yeah. I think, you know, Colin and I both in our doula businesses, we work with straight couples. We work with queer couples. We work with all different types of identifying persons. And I think that part of our system and processes is partner inclusion. So even in my intake forms, 
like Jess, if you were my doula client, it would have an entire section all about you where I'm asking you like, hey, Jess, do you have hypoglycemia? Do you have anxiety? Do you are you have a fear of needles or blood? Like my intake for Jess is just as it is in depth it is, as it is for Katie, you know, because it's so important that when you're hiring a doula that they're serving both persons, whether it's a birthing yeah. person, right, or someone who's transforming and becoming a parent in that moment also, regardless of carrying. Same thing is when I support couples who have a gestational surrogate, right? Mm-hmm. And how, like, 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 no one would ever do that. Like, let's put Katie if in in that situation. If you guys had chosen a gestational surrogate, right? Or a cis hetero couple had chosen a, a gestational surrogate. Like, no one's gonna like in the reverse of that be like you're less of a parent because you had to have a gestational surrogate. I mean, I don't know. We could go on about this all day. Right. Yes. But We want to get into your birth story and also the ins and outs of the pregnancy, the appointments, you know, from a queer couple's perspective of down to how you're treated at appointments, paperwork, and then birthing time itself. And I think that it's so important. So I'm really excited to dig into your birth story in part two. Thank you for being part of the Birth Story family and listening to this episode. On Tuesdays every week are doula diaries, little snippets and tidbits from my week along with some teaching and education. And then on Thursdays, we meet here for our birth stories and our expert speakers. So thank you for being here and listening to the podcast twice a week. And if you are left wanting more, like Heidi, I've listened to all the episodes, I've read your entire book, then I hope you will meet me in Birth Story Academy and let me be your online childbirth educator to prepare you for your hospital birth, no matter what that looks like. Thank you for listening to Birth Story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up, plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like.